It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. I'm so excited that you are tuning in. Today is our roundtable, and with me in the studio, as always, is Mike Mallinger. Mike, so good to have you with me. It's good to be back with you, John. Well, we are continuing in this vein of thought that last week, for those of you who missed it, we started talking about the education system in America and some of the dilemmas that we are faced with, especially as parents, where we're starting to see some alarming trends and issues that are coming to our attention. Not that we haven't heard of these things for quite some time, but it does seem to be escalating. We often talk about you know, mass shootings in the schools and preparation for how to avoid those sort of instances mm-hmm. in the future. But there are a lot of other things going on in, in the school system today. And so let's just look back at our history for just a moment and address what's going on here. And, and then we're going to introduce our very special guest that we have here in the studio with us. But as we look back, you know, the United States uh, used to be a very proud nation, a nation, in fact, that was proud to be one nation under God. And we look at these four critical years. In, in April of 1952, a bill passed that designated an annual National Day of Prayer. And this was followed by under God being added to the Pledge of Allegiance And in 1954, then we see the U.S. motto then two years later being added as In God We Trust in 1956. So we have a a U.S. motto, In God We Trust. We have Under God added to the Pledge of Allegiance in 1954. Then we have the National Day of Prayer in 1952. So four years that really highlighted the fact that this is one nation under God. However... In 1962, a movement began that led to this culture war that we seem to be faced with here today that's really escalated within our schools. And if we look to what happened in Scripture, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 10, we see that as the parents were honoring God, or at least chasing and pursuing God and honoring His ways, for some reason, that was not being passed to the next generation. In Joshua 2, verse 10, we see the next generation would forget the ways of God, the legacy of faith was not being passed. And Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that we as parents are to produce children that honor God. Now, we know that children all have their own identities and children are going to make mistakes and, and all of them very different. seems like they come out of the womb with certain personality traits, uh, but we as parents have to demonstrate intentionality in this area. And, and this deception now, there's an agenda that's permeating the landscapes and it seems to be perpetuated even within the classrooms. Yeah, that's right. And if we look at different quotes, like Hitler's famous quote, Give me the child, I'll mold the man. Give me the child until he is seven. I care not who has him thereafter. Or Lenin, give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. That's terrifying when you think about it, considering our kids spend an upwards of 40 hours per week under the influences of public government-run school systems. Now mm. the Federalist reporting, nine years into Common Core, are children are our children ready for today's world? No, they're not. They're actually less prepared. ACT test scores are at a 20-year low. SAT test scores are down. But we know SAT and ACT test scores 
have been on a steady decline for 56 years, and we know what happened. That's right. In 1962, when, well, let me just highlight what happened in 1962. We have to talk about prayer being removed from schools, but it was even much greater than that. Listen to this. Voluntary prayer was forbidden. Inclusion of scripture was terminated. Classes on religion were halted. The Bible was ordered out of school libraries. The Ten Commandment displays were removed. Religious artwork was covered. Religious content in student papers or speeches became forbidden, and the school even forbade the Bible to be brought into the classroom. So what happened? Mike, you just hit on it. SAT scores plummeted. The American high school students regularly now finish last or near the bottom in math and science testing, and the U.S. now ranks 65th in the world in literacy, when only a few decades ago, America had one of the world's highest literacy rates. Crime in schools and society has escalated. Pregnancy rates in schools has escalated. The timing is not coincidental. I mean, we can look back to 1962, and and those who, who study statistics often will look to the correlation coefficient analysis, but the reality remains that our public school system is struggling. Yes, and um, if we look at Christian schools where prayer and Bible are allowed in these schools, these graduates have higher SAT test scores, higher ACT test scores, and also if you look at homeschoolers, their testing are even higher. Mm-hmm. Now, Christian schools encourage or require parental environment involvement. But it's not important or stressed in public schools, and we know this is very important. That's right, and that's what we're talking about here today. I think that's a good way to introduce our guest. We have a very special guest, Mandy Welch, in the studio with us. She has a bachelor's degree in business management. She works in a variety of ministries. In fact, one that's near and dear to my heart, Creation Station, where they produce prosthetics for children all across the world at no charge to the families using 3D technology. Just awesome. Uh, She's also part of American Heritage Girls, Awana, Women's Ministry, just to name a few. She's a very busy lady, and yet she has made her primary ministry in in the home where she manages her home and educates her children. So, Mandy, it is so good to have you on Engage in Truth. Thank you for being on the program with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what ultimately led you into homeschooling. Uh, well, before my husband and I had children, um, I never would have thought I would be a homeschool mom. Um, I was a career woman. I managed one of the largest print shops in um, school district 20. Well, the largest print shop in school district 20, one of the largest print shops in Colorado Springs. And so I was set on a career path and that was what I thought my intention was going to be. Um, But once my husband and I began trying to have children, my mindset started shifting a little bit and we struggled to have children and, um, I journaled through that time frame, and I remember looking back through my journals and seeing my prayers to God pleading that we would have children, much like Hannah um, saying that if he would give my husband and I these children, that we would dedicate them wholeheartedly to him, to raising them up for his honor and for his glory. Mm. And then we did have children. We ended up having twin girls on our first round, and then 10 months later had my son, Eli. So we got very busy very quickly. (laughs) <laughs> and it, we know that your your children are really important to both you and your husband. So was Dakota on board with this idea of homeschooling? 
Well, as um, our kids got to about preschool age, I started looking at schooling. Um, and unbeknownst to me, my husband was also looking at what school would look like for both of us. And we, uh, I specifically could tell early on that public school was not going to be an option for us. Um, that's yeah. 16,000 hours between kindergarten and high school that are away from the family unit. And as I looked at what was happening in the school systems, as I looked at what school we were zoned for, I just knew that I was not going to be able to fulfill this commitment that I had made before God in raising up our children by sending them off into a public school for 16,000 hours. Mm. And um, unbeknownst to me, my husband was also on that same page as me looking at the school system and trying to figure out what would be the best course of option uh, of action for our family. Um, and so mm. as we were, we were looking at that and praying through it, we both were apprehensive about saying to the other, what do you think about homeschooling? Um, but mm. God was working on both of us at the same time and had a bigger plan for us. Yeah. Amen. Well, wh- okay. So as you, uh, obviously you probably get asked these questions a lot and I appreciate you sharing these answers with our listeners here today, but I know that there, there are other common reasons that uh, obviously you and other home family, homeschooling families share that, why you've decided as you assessed the public school route or even Christian school route, why, why did you land on homeschooling specifically? Sure. The reasons that a family would choose to homeschool vary far and wide. Uh, religious uh, reasons are by far one of the most prominent reasons that a family would choose to homeschool, but homeschooling is dramatically growing. Um, in fact, homeschooling is growing by 5 to 10% every year. As the mm-hmm. school system deta- continues to change, um, more and more families are opting out. Um, and so there are a great number of secular fam- um, families that are choosing to homeschool as well. Some of the other reasons that families choose to homeschool might be bullying. Um, you guys have already discussed that it's a huge problem in our school system um, today. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not the kind of bullying that I experienced when I was in school with the hazing and, you know, maybe scuff on the head or picking on a kid. Now the bullying has escalated to the point where children are feeling suicidal and sometimes even making that, um, that drastic choice to end their own lives. The bullying is out of control in our school systems. Yeah. Mandy, what would you say to the uh, parents who are listening and they say you're some kind of superwoman and they could never homeschool? That is that is a very loaded question. <laughs> First, I would tell them um, that I am no different than any other mom out there. Um, I am not a superwoman. The struggles in my house are the exact same struggles that every other mom and parent goes through. I do not have some supernatural ability to be patient with my children 24 hours a day and never get frustrated, never snap at them. Trust me, it happens in my house, too. The difference is that I have um, an end goal perspective, and that end goal is that I'm raising my children up with a desire that they know the Lord. That is our first and primary desire. Um, The second half of that question, um, the I could never homeschool because, and then insert any any, um, excuse, really, that you have in there, is just that. It's an excuse, because I've heard them all. I've had people say to myself, 
I could to me, I could never homeschool because I don't have a degree. I could never homeschool because I can't be with my children all day. I could never homeschool because I'm not patient enough. I could never homeschool because I need to work. Now, those are all legitimate concerns, mm-hmm. um, but there are workarounds for every single one of them. Yeah. And if the desire is there, if God has called you to a task, he will equip you in order to handle that task. Right. Noah wasn't a master ark builder before God called him into service to handle that task. He will equip us as we are needed. Amen. Amen. Well, okay, so I've got to ask just a couple questions here then uh, related that, uh, you know, I think some people think that they just lack structure perhaps in their lives. Maybe that's one of the, those excuses that you've you mm-hmm. probably heard time and time sure. again. I'm not a very organized person, so how can I organize something so critical in the life of my children? It's, it feels daunting. They may be even intimidated by that idea that now suddenly I have to be very organized. Their whole educational future is resting in my hands and I could barely get out of bed on time. Uh, but I, so I just maybe one of the easy questions that you, you can answer to this is, is there a set time? I mean, do you have like a, a nine to three kind of routine? Do you, did you have to become this organized person that maybe wasn't as natural before that now suddenly you were able to execute easily? Is that, is that fair? to say? <laughs> well, God has uh, gifted me uh, with with administration as one of my gifts, so I've oh, always been helps. very structured and organized. But trust me when I say I know a lot of homeschool mamas who are fly by the seat of your pants, open up the book, and what's how we're going to do it. Uh-huh. So the way that you set up your homeschool is as individual as your children are individual. That's right. And so for my family, yes, we have a pretty uh, structured approach. We're up at... Um, doing school by 8 a.m. and we try to be finished by lunch. But I know families that homeschool in the car. I know homeschool families that go to the park and homeschool. They go to the mm. library. They they do afternoon homeschooling or they have to school on the weekends. It is completely customizable to your family's life. It is one of the beautiful perks of homeschooling. Well, let me jump in real quick. I, I have to, as a prior homeschooled student, I um okay so now I I shared with this last week as we were talking about educational system and some of the the issues that we're all facing as we examine public school private school and so forth uh, my mother actually put me in all of them uh, there was a season I was in public school a season in private school and in homeschooling and I remember that you know she was a working mom during all of that uh, you know I was almost what you call a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and she still managed to homeschool me but what it did is it taught me some things that I still use today. I found that, okay, mom wasn't around. It taught me how to be responsible at a young age, responsible and accountable for my time. And I had to do a lot of studying and preparing for each of the assignments that she that she would prepare for me. So I spent a lot more time in the library, a lot more time reading and preparing and, and figuring it out, mm-hmm. which was something that helped me greatly in seminary that I suddenly became in love with research and studying mm. that I didn't have a love for before. And although she wasn't over my shoulder monitoring me all the time, she was worried, would I naturally develop that by raising the bar and forcing her out of her comfort zone mm. and me out of my comfort zone, it better prepared me for the assignment that God has for me today. I love research now, can spend countless hours doing it. So I just want to encourage not only those listening right now, but also you as well and all of the moms that you come in contact with as they're fear, maybe a little fearful of this is out of my comfort zone. Mm. 
awesome. That's where God does some of the greatest work, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I would tell you that um, my one of my goals in homeschooling is not to teach them all the mundane facts. I don't care really if they know how many cups are in a pint and how many pints are in a quart. That is information that you can look up on any website ever. What I want to instill in my children first would be a love of God and who he is. But secondly is I want them to have a love of learning. And Mm -hmm. so I facilitate my children's education in a way that would promote that. And that is the beauty of homeschooling. Okay. And it's an important subject. And if there's a family out there that's listening and then they, they want to get started in homeschooling, what would you tell them? And how would they get started? The first and most important thing for any family as they are um, considering embarking down this road is prayer. You are entering a mission field. Make no mistake about it. Your home is your greatest mission field. And homeschooling is something that should be saturated in prayer because it is going to test every single fiber of your (laughs) parenting skills to be able to um, homeschool effectively, you are going to be refined through this process Amen. as a parent. So that's that's the first step is to bathe it in prayer before the Lord so that he can help guide you in the journey. And then the second step would be to learn your state's legal requirements. Every state has different setup in terms of what they require. So it's very important that you spend the time researching what your state requires An excellent resource for that is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, um, and their website is www.hslda.org. They're an excellent resource for homeschool families. Mm. Um, The next step is to determine your child's learning style. There are hundreds upon hundreds of curriculum choices out there, and if you just jump in, you are going to find yourself drowning very quickly. So if you can find out how your child learns, are they auditory? Are they kinesthetic? Are they visual learners? That's going to eliminate a lot of the curriculum choices out there so that you can customize your child's education. Education is custom work. It is not cookie cutter. That Mm -hmm. is why. If it was cookie cutter, you could send them to public school and then they would be just fine in that environment. But kids need custom um, curriculum built around how they learn. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the next step, I would say, is find out what your teaching philosophy is. There are so many different styles of homeschooling, everything from unschooling to a more brick-and-mortar approach where you pull out the textbooks and it's very much school at home. Um, There is Charlotte Mason and there is uh, Montessori. So find out, look, research the different education philosophies and find out where you are stacked up, how you, what you agree with, what you are absolutely opposed to. And again, that will help eliminate a whole sets of genre of curriculum so that what you're left with after you know your child's learning style and your homeschool teaching style, you can filter through and quickly find a curriculum choice. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I, I think, you know, one of the key points that we talked about too is that you, you want people to find their why. Right. I mean, and and to dwell in that, I mean, because I think sometimes we lose sight of why are we embarking on something that's stretching us that it's not always fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, and God didn't call us to the easy when we're raising up the next generation to know him, when we're doing this, that a generation would know him and a generation after. And we're following Psalm 78 in that. I, I think that we have to keep our eyes on the prize 
And I, and I love how you mentioned that, that you want people to know their why. Right. Um, if you're doing this for an eternal perspective, then when the things get tough and the boulders come running and they're going to, homeschooling is not all roses. <laughs> there are plenty of thorns on that bush. So when things get hard, you can look at that and say, my why hasn't changed. I'm still doing this for the glory mm. and for the honor of God. I'm still raising my children up with an eternal perspective. That's my why. So then when your kids are struggling because they can't understand how to borrow in subtraction and you're about ready to throw in the towel, you can come back and recenter on that point. Amen. You know, I again, I, I, I want to be careful that I'm not over-advocating for homeschooling because I do understand uh, the value of what many Christian teachers have done, uh, their heart and love for children. But I am a little fond of it. I, I Maybe I'm a little biased towards it just because of some of the friendships that I accumulated mm-hmm. through my many years of homeschooling. I still have those friends today. In fact, one of them, I had a, a friendship in the fourth grade from a young man in Atlanta, Georgia, and he found me on Facebook, and it was like we picked up as if time hadn't even moved a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started reminiscing about those days. We built a long-lasting friendship. And I think that some of the things as I look back now and I see where homeschooling is today, that some parents are worried about the social aspect. Mm-hmm. How do I ensure that my children have strength socially? That's that's probably a red flag that you hear often. I mean, in just some of our few minutes together, can you just address that a little bit? Sure. Socialization is probably the number one um thing that people will say to me as a reason not to homeschool. And the fact is that we aren't in the 1980s anymore when that was a viable concern because parents kind of had to be a little underground in their homeschooling. I will tell you that as a homeschool family now, I have to frequently turn down social opportunities Hmm. so that we can get our schoolwork done. (laughs) If you do not know um, what social opportunities are out there for homeschoolers and you are a homeschooler, you're not paying attention I mean, we have something every day of the week that we can plug into. There is just unbelievable opportunity for social interaction with homeschool families now. It's not a concern anymore. And co-ops have really come a long way, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably one of the big issues that I think that we need to reiterate here is the fact that you're not going alone. Right. Everybody thinks that, hey, I've just got to find a catalog, buy some curriculum and just figure this thing out. When, as you mentioned, with HSLDA, I had a, a great conversation with Michael Ferris at Patrick Henry College. I love him. And my goodness, because I was working on the Drive Through History America project, which is a homeschooling curriculum where we were trying to instill character education and America's Judeo Christian heritage through this particular curriculum, looking at the biographical, biographical narratives mm-hmm. of America's founding fathers, mm-hmm. that these were individuals of great faith, that we have deep roots in our Christian faith right here in these United States. And so Michael Ferris and I had this great conversation. I got to interview him on the radio, and he was sharing with me about Patrick Henry College, that they are taking on Ivy League schools, mm-hmm. that they're taking these homeschool kids and they they are already so far ahead because they understand how to research, they understand how to debate, they're articulate, they're they're independent in their thinking, and they can back it up. They have a strong foundation, and then they put them in debate clubs, take a, take on the Ivy League schools, and they're winning. So so Mike, as we were talking about the SAT and ACT scores that are increasing through the homeschool community, yeah. that's not just an agenda. That that is truth information. That is true and sincere, factual information mm-hmm. that our homeschooling's kids are really getting an advantage today. Co-ops are further along than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, the curriculum is 
incredible. And the network of families, Mandy, would you be available if somebody would, would call and reach out to the church right now and say, okay, I'm sold. You got my attention. I'm not any of those attributes that, that, that people might think. I'm not organized necessarily. I'm too busy. I don't really have the time to do this, but I'm motivated. Can you help me? Would, would you be able to, to help intercede with them? I would love to help um, to help get them set up. I've helped a lot of other homeschool families get started. It is a passion of mine. I would love to help them. Well, and I know that you are just a, a joy to work with. I, and, I, and I know I'm a little biased. We get to work with you at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Uh, but for those of you who are listening right now, our topic today has been on the education system in America. It, it's it's a difficult uh, journey that lies ahead for many parents as they are assessing the landscape. What is going on? What are the agendas that are being perpetuated on our children as, as sex ed is continually evolving, as America's history is being stripped out of the curriculum, as everything seems to be redefined uh, for an agenda? And then we are left cleaning up the pieces of saying we want to be intentional parents but the landscape is daunting. What can I do? There are only a few Christian schools, and, and the population is is too great right now for them to even manage in some regards. So I'm I'm left holding the pieces of this. What am I to do? Can I really make a difference in homeschool? Is that a reality for me in my circumstances? And Mandy, I believe that you have made that case here today that yes, it is. Mm-hmm. That any parent in yes. any situation, even if they're a single parent, Mm-hmm. They can do this. They can do it. And I want to encourage all of you single parents out there listening right now. And we're not just talking about moms. I met a lot of single dads who have full custody of their children. And they're thinking, I'm working two jobs as is. How, how in the world am I going to do this? And there's hope for you as well. You can be a homeschooling parent. And Mandy, I want to thank you for making that message loud and clear here today. So if you want to connect with Mandy, go to calvaryfountain.com. Go to calvaryfountain.com today. You will find the email address there. You'll find a little more information about uh, how to reach Manny. Of course, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, if you're really sincere about wanting to learn about this, we're just going to take some information from you. We'll get it to Manny. She'll be in touch with you and help guide you in this incredible journey of being an involved parent, a teacher to your children, and raising up the next generation who will know and understand the ways of the Lord. So I hope you're encouraged today. Manny, thank you for being on Engage in Truth. Thank you. So fun to have you here in the studio with us. And again, thank you for listening and making this a priority. Learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you.